This evening I want to discuss with you some passages on encouragement to unity and warnings against division. This is a very uh, timely subject and one that Jesus uh, mentioned and talked about and emphasized and there's not anything that needs to be emphasized more than the unity of the body of Christ and the unity among those who are believers. Several passages show the importance of unity, of working together as a body and working together as people. It was a principal theme of Jesus' prayer the last night with his disciples. Now, if you think Jesus is not concerned, uh, you're not a very good student of God's word. And he knew his creation better than we know ourselves. And he knew how men thought and how they worked and how that they uh, didn't do what uh, they should do uh, for their own good. Beginning with verse 20 of that chapter, he has the whole chapter is in a prayer, but beginning with verse 20 of that 17th chapter, where he's praying here just before his deliverance up before the mob, he said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them that also which shall believe on me through their word. So Jesus prayed for you if you're a believer. He prayed for you that night if you're a believer of Jesus. Because his prayer is for the ones who believe. And that word in believe in our grammar, in our English, is believe is a constant thing. It's, it's progressive action is what we'd call it in the uh, studying grammar in the Greek. It, it's continuous action. And so it's not the person who just believes spasmodically or believes in doubts. It's for the person who continues to believe and put his trust in Jesus. And, and we have a real difficult time uh, when we do that. The devil's going to see that you have some interferences. Number 21 says that, that they all may be one. So he is praying for us that all of the believers would be one. That's one of the greatest sermons we could ever preach. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe, and that's continuous action, that thou hast sent me. So it's very important that we uh, be unified and be together and be together as uh, Christ and God is together. That's the greatest sermon that, any, that anybody could ever observe. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them. So the glory, the reigning part of God is in those who believe. Jesus reigns as king in a person who is, is unified. 
and tries to bring unity to every believer and understands that it is a constant tug, uh, fighting with Satan to try to destroy that, that they may be one even as we are one. Now that's a challenge because we all differ, we see things differently, but it's possible that we can be one or he wouldn't have prayed for that. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that perfect means complete, it means finished, it means uh, forgiven, it means uh, cleansed, it means holy, it means that you're one with God. And if you can fight that battle and you know that when you're believing as a believer, one who has confessed Christ, and in your struggle here, to work through the challenges that's confronting you, that that is what uh, God wants you to do. And that, and when people see that, the world, that the, uh, the world will see that, and, and uh, he said, the world may know that thou hast sent me. They'll recognize that that's a Christ in a person. And number 24 says, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. And he wanted them to continue understanding that their association with Christ and ever being with him and he ever he ever being with them was the secret of making the uh, this battle and, and overcoming the unity of Christ with the father is set forth as the image and goal of unity among those of us who are Christians and who are believers that's the goal the gifts of Christ his glory, the gifts of Christ, is his glory. Now, he gives everyone special gifts. We're just endowed with gifts from our mother's womb. And some have some and some have others. And in the apostolic days, they gave special gifts to people. But we have them today as he gave it to us from our birth and from our being formed in our mother's womb. To his disciples are intended uh, with this great blessing uh, to be unified because God blesses us and God comes and gives to us the kind of help and he develops us as we uh, exemplify him in our lives. The purpose stated for that unity is to, is to really bring the world to faith in Christ. I know that there's nobody that struggles more than a gospel preacher about winning souls to Christ. Now, you might not know that they're concerned. You may not know how many times they pray and how many times they talk to people and they get a no. But when, you're, when it's your job to take uh, people, the gospel to people, and you feel like you're leading, there's no one that's any more concerned with that than a gospel preacher, or shouldn't be. And yet, the greatest hindrance is our lack of being one. Our greatest hindrance 
say. And uh, we need to understand that Christ was praying for us to be unified. And uh, Paul made an urgent appeal uh, to the Corinthians, and I want you to turn over there with me, uh, if you will, in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and uh, the 10th verse. He, he uh, tried uh, to get before them, uh, before the, the first few verses there, that they were all holy, that they were all sanctified, that they were all brethren. He emphasizes that. The Holy Spirit emphasizes that in Paul. Now, that doesn't mean he compromised their sin. He doesn't mean that, uh, that God tolerated their sinfulness and their lack of being unified. He's going to deal with that later. But he, he, he got within them the first few verses there. He let them know that they were one and that they had been united and that they were saved and they were in Christ. And they were special. And uh, that they had the blessing. And that the main thing was that uh, they were unified. They were unified in the body of Christ. And all they had to do is just recognize that and maintain it. See, this is what he's saying. Look at the 10th verse. Now, I beg you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, that's the same emphasis that Jesus put on in his prayer. Now, when we're saved and when we're Christians, we're all one. We, all, we have our access to God. We have access to Christ. We have access to the gospel that will save the lost. And uh, he expects us to, to really... Uh, Paul was endeavoring for them to just say, you utilize your, your unification in Christ. And since Christ is one, the church must be one also. Christians, uh, uh, unity derives uh, its unity from the event at the cross, what Christ did at the cross. And he did it for everyone. Anyone who's saved is, is united in Christ. The crucifixion accomplished the salvation received at baptism when a person went into Christ. Now, the obligation we have is to, is to continue and to recognize that and to ask God to help us because we're going to have challenges. The fundamental uh, Christian experience of salvation in Christ, when you believe, when you turn away from your sins, when you put him on in baptism, when you receive the Spirit, and you're made one with him and your name's written in heaven, when that happens, then it argues against any division among those people who believe. Why? Because we're all one. We're one body in Christ. And we're bought with a price, doing anything or taking any names. 
that would separate us as believers. In this first chapter, he said, some of you say I'm Paul and Paul, some Cephas, and then some say you're Christ. He said, Christ is not divided. He said, was Paul crucified for you? No. So uh, you can't take away from the unity by taking another name, and if you can't, well then you're unified in Christ. Other earnest appeals among this is flip over to Ephesians one uh, four. they had been made uh, one body just like the rest of them in Acts uh, they were baptized when Paul got there they'd already been baptized under John's baptism but he taught them he taught them the truth he said John's baptism was just to prepare people and uh, to get them ready for the kingdom and to get them to repent and come to God and where they're sinning and come back and get ready for the Christ and his kingdom. And it hadn't ushered in. And they were the reason they were baptized again is because they were baptized after John's baptism was given. And Jesus' baptism was in effect. John's baptism was okay as long as people were just returning to God, Jews, and coming back to God and waiting for the Messiah. But after the Messiah gave the command on, uh, at the, uh, when he was raised and went back to heaven, he said, you go to Jews and Gentiles alike. You go to every creature. And everybody has the right to come and to, be, uh, uh, to believe and to be baptized, and, and I'll, I'll add them to my church. And uh, that wasn't understood for 10 years later, but it was confirmed by the gospel uh, being preached by Peter to the Gentiles and confirmed uh, by the Spirit and the message uh, left down from heaven three times a sheet of all kinds of unclean animals and he said no this is for every creature so they they were they were a part of this they it was out in the Gentile uh, territory he went to the synagogue first but this church was uh, uh, it was begun by people who was uh, following John's baptism and they followed that after the Great Commission was given, so they were baptized into Christ. And they were made one, and they were added to the church. And he writes back to them from prison after he had spent three and a half years there, or three years, two years and three months, and this is what he says. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you call. Now this is just our job, anywhere we are. Anywhere we live, it's a Christian job. That with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, from bearing one another in love. That's not a difficult. That, that is a difficult thing uh, when you when you don't understand that the primary thing was for people to live as one in Christ Jesus, because that's the greatest tool we have of teaching the whole world about Jesus. 
See, that's the greatest thing. And endeavoring, I want you to look at that third verse, endeavoring to keep. To keep what? The unity. The unity of the what? The unity of the Spirit. When you keep the unity of the Spirit, you keep the unity of God. You keep the unity of the Spirit, you keep the unity of Christ. You keep the unity of the Spirit, you keep the unity of the Church. So it's, it, it's endeavoring. We, it, it, we're already in the unity. We're unified in Christ. We're one in Christ. And it's a great task to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And the bond of peace means not destroyed by division or differences. You think that's easy? Oh, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, not, it's not difficult when we understand that Christ and God are one and that God gives strength to live and to fulfill the prayer of the Lord. And then he goes ahead and gives this, there is one body and one spirit, even as called one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of you is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And this is when passage we mentioned this morning when he ascended on high he gave gifts unto men but he delivered people from the bondage of Satan that time and this Ephesian letter I want you just to look up from that third on that third chapter at the 14th verse and he says for this cause I bow my knee unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named now, when Jesus went to the grave, he saved everybody that believed in the Old Testament scriptures concerning Christ and followed God. Because he's the lamb that fulfilled the forgiveness of man's sins and needs that was pictured by the lamb that they had slain for all those years. And when he did, he made a family of God. He led captivity captive, and, and he gave gifts unto men. And, and the kingdom of God has been changed. The paradise has, is in heaven now. And when we die, we go there. And we're all one. And, and to be motivated, uh, we're telling the world that the only way you can be saved is to be a member of the body of Christ. The only way you can be saved is to be a member of the body of Christ. Why? Well, because he's God come from earth, uh, come from heaven to earth. And he's the sacrifice. He's the atonement for our sins. Now, when we all believe that, and when we believe it in such a way as to be unified, we preach the greatest sermon that anybody can ever preach. Now, I want you to turn over to Philippians. Philippians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians, Philippians is the next one. And the first chapter. And one through, uh, one through four. Uh... There's Paul and Timotheus, the servant of Jesus Christ, all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. 
And this is a great message to these, to these people at, at uh, Philippi. And uh, when, you, when you consider the second chapter, you look at the second chapter that he writes to them. If therefore there is any consolation in Christ, they were all in Christ, and this is talking about the unified body of Christ. If there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, and it should be if you're in Christ, if there's any bowels and mercies, this is just tender mercies and compassion toward each other and the world. Now, since you have all of that, you fulfill my joy that you be like-minded. See that? Why? That's the greatest sermon you can preach to teach people who we are, that we're bought with a price, that we have the message of salvation. Having the same love, being of one accord, being of one mind, Now, you know, when we read things like that in the book and, and we gauge ourselves by it, and if we're not doing it, it'll be like a person. We can look at a person who is not a member of any church, and they listen to some of the teachings that come to them through the radio and the television and say, well, all you have to do is just believe on the Lord and he'll save you. And the person thinks maybe they receive the Lord. They're bypassing all of the teaching. And we get upset when we say, well, why didn't he teach him about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and how that the scriptures teaches that you've got to be born again of the water and the spirit? And why didn't he teach him or them that they have to believe and be baptized and they're added to the church and they're added not to a denomination, but they're added to the, to the Christ and his body and and that's where salvation is. And so we, we can see that, and, we, we, and the person would probably say, well, why, why, do you wanna, why do you wanna say that? Well, because it's the truth. It's what's been taught. Now, on the other hand, when we come down here and we are the body of Christ, and if we want to show the world this great gospel that has said, Christ has said to preach it to every creature, then the greatest thing we can do is listen to passages this way because it's just as powerful as he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Look at that passage. Have the same love. Be of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Well, how are you going to keep that from? Just don't do it through strife or vainglory. Well, how do you do it? Well, he tells you in the next one. The next verse, he says, you have to have a lowly mind. And you have to esteem everybody better than you. Boy, that's difficult. Well, I'm not going to do Hey, wait a minute. That's what he said to do. That's what he said to do to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That's just what it takes. See? Now look at number four. This is the application of it. Look not every man to his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, if we can, 
if we can look at each other and try to look and see where the other person's coming from and see things from his point of view, we will have that unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And that's what that verse is all about. And it comes back to the fifth one. Look at the fifth one. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, when Christ Jesus prayed his prayer in Gethsemane, in the garden, he prayed, he prayed for you and me. And he said, Father, this is the greatest prayer that he's saying, we look at it, we say, that's the greatest prayer prayed for us, that we might be one as he and his Father are one. And what an what a, what a, uh, awesome thing that is. Now, I want you to turn to Galatians, the fifth chapter. And that's, uh, Galatians is before Ephesians. And to look at this uh, again, division is clearly branded as sin. In Galatians 5, 19 through 20, we have a passage here that uh, of the 15 items listed in here, the works of the flesh, eight have to do with those uh, that create disharmony. Disharmony or describe division among people. Enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy. People are following the flesh and not the spirit if they allow nationality, color, social status, cultural wars, economic and political doctrines, educational attainments, or personality difference to keep them apart. Or we could name other things. Brotherhood is based on having the same spirit the same divine spirit. And in this troubled church at Corinth in the 12th chapter and the 13th verse, he said, by one spirit were we all baptized into one body. We're all, we're all kin to each other. And we need to understand that God will help us to preserve it. And the greatest sermon that we ever preached would be the closeness that we have and the understanding that we give to each other. I want you to turn with me to the Gospel according to John in closing. And I want you to look at this, uh, this chapter. It's chapter 13, 34, and 35. Uh, the <clears throat> it's, a, it's a challenge to us. And I don't care who you are, uh, it's a challenge to each one of us. The 34th and the 35th verse says, you know, Matthew, I mean, uh, John 13, chapter where he did the foot washing. And he said, now, if you don't want to wash feet, you don't have any part with me. Well, foot wa washing and, and is, is serving one another. And that's just the greatest thing that we ever did. Uh, in the church to convince people that, that we're the church that Jesus purchased with the shedding of his blood. And look at that 34th verse. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another 
as I have loved you. Now, that's one thing. And then he added that you love one another. But he also compared it as he had loved us. But the commandment is to love one another. Now look at verse 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Now, somebody says, yeah, but, uh, you know, you can take that to extreme, and you can do away with, uh, uh, people can just abuse that. And I don't know what people, people have told me that. They've said, well, you know, you can't just go with that. And I said, why can't you go with that? That's what Jesus said. Why can't you go with that? I said, well, you just sacrifice everything. As it comes sometime that you have to stand. Now, just wait a minute. Love doesn't compromise. Love is a way to apply this lesson of working things, working through the things that we, we work through. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 13. In this troubled church that had a lot of problems, you know what Paul concentrated on? He concentrated on solutions. He didn't concentrate on their problems. Now, he dealt with it. He dealt with their problems, and one man, he told them to, to put him in his right place in chapter 5. The 6th chapter, he told them that they ought not to be going to law with one another. 7th chapter, he corrected them on marriage. And uh, in the 8th chapter, the ninth, and so on. But he, he also, when they had difficulty about their women in the worship, and when they had difficulty about uh, how to carry on orderly, uh, he, he uh, told them how to carry it on in an acceptable manner. And you know what he did? In, in between all of those, in this chapter 13, he, here's the solution, he says. Here's the solution. Uh, and, and his answer is the same as Jesus. Look at the fourth, uh, uh, the fourth verse. And he defines what love is. And it's nothing but an adjustment. It's nothing but working through your differences. It's nothing but not turning a conflict into a feud, but turning a conflict into harmony with love. It suffers long. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't puff itself, vote uh, itself. It doesn't puff itself up. It doesn't behave itself unseemingly, and it isn't selfish. It doesn't seek its own. And it's not easily to lose its temper, get provoked. It just doesn't suspicion and think everything a person does is wrong, and you're just looking with a spyglass in to see. It just doesn't, love doesn't do that. But it rejoices not in the evil and the iniquity, but it rejoices in just the truth. And the truth is that love can overcome. And love can melt the hearts of those. And it just hangs in there. Look at that seventh verse. It, it bears up. And it just keeps on believing that, that this is the way. That things will be united. And it just hopes. And it just endures. It just never fails. It never gives up. It's not going to uh, act in becoming. 
and it just hangs in there. And this is a great uh, thing and a great challenge to us to unite ourselves and to work in harmony and to reach out and teach people and to do everything you can to encourage people to just be one in Christ and to teach them and to help people that are teaching them uh, to teach them. So as we unify ourselves, keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, may God bless us and keep us and help us to reach out and to touch the lives of those that really don't understand the precious gospel of Christ. And if you're here this evening and you would like to be a member of the body of Christ, you can be a member of this unified body, and this body that believes in unity and believes in working together and believes in telling the world about Christ by applying it into our lives. And you do that by believing and confessing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Just turning away from your way and coming and confessing him and take part of his death, his burial, his resurrection. Just be a member of the church, of the body that, that Christ gave on the cross. When you're a member of the body of Christ, you're a member of Christ's body. It's a spiritual body. And it's now in heaven, and it's the right hand of God. And when you become a member of his body, you become a person who's spiritual and is working with this unity to get the world to see that Christ is one. And if you haven't lived as close to God as you can, as you should, you can come and pray, and God will forgive you, and God will clothe you with his righteousness. And I would venture to say that none of us that are here this evening that doesn't need a prayer for forgiveness and for working together in unity and harmony and upholding Christ in our minds. So as we stand together and sing, will you not respond?